0: Hello, and welcome to This Movie is Gay, a podcast that takes apparently straight films, or sometimes not so apparently straight (laughs) films, and demonstrates why they are, in fact, gay. I'm Haley. I'm Emma. And this week, for our 10th episode, we decided, (laughs) what could we do? What could we do to celebrate? And the answer was, drive away everyone who's listening right now. Um, Yeah. With... The 2012 Tom Hooper film, Les Miserables.
1: Yes, we did.
0: I feel like what I want to say (laughs) about this movie is, first of all, I don't think this is the gayest version of Les Miserables we could have chosen. But for various reasons, including that a lot of the gayer ones are miniseries, which we've just sort of like drawn a line and like we just can't descend down that well of madness yet. Um, we decided we're not going to do. Um, and the other is that this movie is really bad.
1: It's terrible. As I'm sh- and that's a non-controversial opinion. We're going to be issuing a lot of controversial opinions. I'm sure in this episode. In this episode of the pod. I feel like it's pretty universally considered a bad movie. I don't think that's true. Really?
0: I mean, it got some Oscar nominations, famously mostly for acting, but yes. also like it was seen as like I know a lot of people who like this movie, and I, mean, I willingly have watched it several times. Yeah, I mean, and I think I should be clear: I love Les Mis. I'm not shitting on Les Mis as an entity, as an IP, if you will. Um, I'm shitting on Tom Hooper's psychotic cinematography and casting (laughs) choices. Yes. Yeah. Also
1: just like for so many reasons and you know, it's the 10th episode, so we're having some fun with it. It feels important to state now that this whole episode will be a criminal action because, (laughs) because the thing is like, further in down the road that we go with this, I feel like it will only get matter and matter, Due in no small part to Russell Crowe, but we'll get to him. I think
0: my goal for this episode is by the end to have convinced ourselves that we're right.
1: Yeah. I think that that is the goal. And what I'm excited for as we drive off into the weeds is that I feel the only legitimate ground we have to stand on, I feel, is that We've, we've been hanging out with some pretty sure things lately. I feel like our most recent episodes have been movies that are just known to be pretty gay. And I think this is like a very fun pivot away from where we were with The League of Their Own of like people think this is pretty gay. I feel like it's kind of fun to have to like make a strange, to, to like make a strong case,
0: you know? I agree but i will return to my the statement i just made which is that this is not <laughs> the gayest version of lamis we could have chosen because totally fair we're we're one to venture into the wilds of the fan fiction corners of the internet you would find lamis is considered <laughs> very very gay by many many people very good um for reasons that I, again this this movie only sort of showcases but we're going to roll with it anyway because it's um, funny.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much where it is. It amuses us. Um, yeah, so plot summary. This um, is the part I was most looking forward to because I
1: was going to be like, is this the moment where we have to ask Haley to summarize Les Mis and have you waited your whole life for this moment or lived in terror of it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to actually just perform yeah. the entirety of the musical here for you, you now and that way you don't you'll know the plot because you'll have experienced it thank you so much go <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and there's not going to be any audio clips this week i'm just going to sing all of the bits that we talk about <laughs> yeah that's right
1: that's actually going to happen because now that you've said it i mandate that it must <laughs> and now the people will want it so much you'll rue the day but we will not we will not rue the day
0: um yeah, anyway, so Les Miserables, a 2012 film based on a 1980s musical um, <laughs> b- produced at the height of the sort of British invasion mega musical rock opera trend that also brought us Phantom of the Opera, etc. which bears mentioning only because it clarifies that it is in its original form entirely sung through. There's no spoken dialogue at all. Um, so it is France. It is not the French Revolution. Um, and we essentially follow the story of an ex-convict named Jean Valjean, who gets released from prison in the sort of opening stages of the story of the film, is kind of treated very badly as an ex-con, runs into this priest who's like kind of the first person who's kind to him, and he steals some silver from the priest, and the priest covers for him and is like, no, it was a gift, and then is like, but you have to become a good person now, and like the short version is like the rest of the movie is jean valjean attempting to do that whilst being doggedly stalked by the only policeman in fr- in all of france javert um played by russell crow jean valjean's played by hugh jackman i forgot to list the cast it's a lot of people Jean Val- we'll get to them we'll get, we'll get, to, get them. to them fleabag's boyfriend there's a lot there's a lot of famous <laughs> in faces. a
1: very minor role
0: <laughs> 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 but weren't you so excited when you spotted him
1: I was. I was really excited when I spotted him. Also, I really like that you just used the word stalked by the only policeman in all of France, which is the operative word. And frankly, that's the case
0: that I'll be making. So, <laughs> Your Honor, the case that I'll be making today. Yes. Um, but basically, so Valjean, like the reason that Javert is stalking him is because he breaks his parole and basically assumes a new identity and becomes the mayor of a town. Um, in which town he kind of tangentially crossed paths with a young woman named Fontaine, played by Anne Hathaway in her Oscar-winning performance. Um, And she has a secret daughter and she loses her job when like the other mean ladies at her factory find out about the daughter. She becomes a sex worker and sells her hair and her teeth and her locket um, and just sort of descends into tragic consumptive death. And Valjean feels responsible for this, goes to save her daughter, from the shady innkeepers who have been abusing her um, and providing some light and very bizarre comic relief. Um, They go to Paris, years pass, the daughter grows up. They're sort of living in like kind of monastic secrecy until the daughter, Cosette, played by Amanda Seyfried, everyone in this is famous, um, spots and falls in love with a sort of rebel student, Marius, Played by Eddie Redmayne, who is enmeshed in this kind of like uprising that everybody mistakes for the French Revolution and isn't. They are all um, brutally killed by the police. Uh, Valjean sort of realizes what is going on with her being in love with this guy. There's a love triangle that doesn't matter. Um, he kind of goes to the barricade, rescues Marius at the barricade encounter Javert has the opportunity to kill him doesn't Javert's whole world is tilted off its axis by this act of mercy and he kills himself and then the young lovers get married Valjean dies of being sad and there's an ending where everybody's on a symbolic barricade in the sky the end
1: expertly expertly done. I like how sort of more expedient and dismissive of the finer points of the plot that became as it went along, well, which it's I really just, enjoyed.
0: It's very long and it starts
1: getting- um yeah. No, I mean, famously, it's 11 million hours long and stone cold bananas. So like, <laughs> the thing is just like, that's just where we're living. That's the where we're living.
0: The book is like fully 1600 pages long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's the whole moment It's an amazing book actually but that's not the point That's not what we're here to discuss Um, (laughs) We're here to discuss this not so amazing movie Um, So I think that the kind of relationships that um, Float to the top Here is As you hinted The obsessive passion between Valjean and Javert as they chase each other Across France over the course of like 15 years
1: Yeah I mean, basically, as we were considering whether this was too insane to approach, and I mean, again, specifically because the Tom Hooper film is so, is too insane to approach as a layperson, let alone someone trying to, like, weave the case that we we're trying to weave just, like, as an item. It's, like, so strange.
0: Watching it again, having seen Cats, I'm like, <laughs> we should have known we should have known
1: what he was capable
0: of the sign the signs were there the
1: signs were there all the signs were there but no basically what was I saying there just the fact that like the shortest version of the relationship which is the shortest version of the story is basically like why are you so obsessed with me (laughs) (laughs) For, for a million hours and then at the end of the story when Valjean is like in some way, like, actually, this relationship isn't the one all-defining aspect of my life. Javert is like, I'd better throw myself into the river then.
0: I mean, basically, yeah. You really feel that it's that moment of like, oh, what is that, like, madman quote that everyone does? It's like, I, f- I pity you. Oh, I don't think about you at all. I don't think about you at all. Yeah. And it's that. And that <laughs> destroys Javert so profoundly that he dies. Yeah. In. Yeah one of the worst shot shots yeah it's incredible the whole movie it's
1: truly incredible everything to do i mean yeah you can if you sing all of the actually thematically relevant bits of the story as we attempt to track through it i i vow similarly that i will vandalize this conversation at some point just by imitating the way that russell crowe sings the word stars
0: I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, no, I, I just don't understand how a self-respecting artist who is making a piece of art yeah, listens to the actors they've chosen, sing those songs and thinks, yeah, that sounds good and fine to me. Yeah, exactly.
1: Which, frankly, is why I feel like the, the whole tenor of this conversation is justified. Because, frankly, this is like a troll recognized troll scenario. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what this is. That's what this is. And the thing is, like, I adore Russell Crowe. Do I think that there are one or two isolated moments of genuine acting in this thing? Absolutely. Do I also think, like, he sounds like his mouth is full of 85 marbles?
0: Yes. (laughs) I mean, it's hard because it's, like, it's difficult to pick out moments of, like, chemistry because both him and Hugh Jackman are so distracted by trying to sing roles that are wildly out of their range, even for Hugh Jackman, who is a very good singer, that, like, they can't focus on anything else.
1: It's very mystifying. But basically, it's, like, I was actually sort of thinking during that plot summary how, like, other characters matter, but the entire core through line of the thing is just these two men and when you re-watch the movie especially if you like don't have a long 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 history with the show and you're not like embedded in it as i'm not i'm sure we can like backtrack for a second and talk about our respective you know histories with the thing i guess but like i remember first watching it not as a young person like not that long ago in relative time and being confused about the tenor of the obsession because all Valjean's original crime was, famously, is stealing a loaf of bread, for which he
0: has to serve 19 years. Yeah, they sort of gloss over I think they cut the line, actually, from the movie where they explain that it's like it was only five years at first, but then he kept trying to escape, so it was more. Okay, yeah, because it makes it
1: seem like the actual story of this film is that man A steals a loaf of bread before we meet him, is sentenced to 19 years of what looks like excruciatingly hard labor. That is not enough for incredibly sadistic Javert, who is obsessed with him, who then makes it his life mission to destroy this like very normal man
0: who has stolen a loaf of bread, and that's all, for all of time. It is fully a story about police brutality, like not even being ironic. Like, yeah. It's about how the law and cops are evil and yeah. c- try to destroy every character that we like. Yeah, that definitely is what happens. But there is something, I mean, I think it's really interesting to like zoom out then a little bit. Um, I guess I will preface this by saying I love Les Mis. I have seen it so many times I can point out different recordings of it by the sound of different actors voices like I genuinely could sing you the entire musical right now um and I've also read the book a couple of times despite it being like 1600 pages long there is one section I always skip it's not worth going into um is it the French sewer I feel like you've I feel
1: like there's a long section dedicated to describing the sewer.
0: The sewer is really interesting. There's also a really long section dedicated to describing the Battle of Waterloo. Cool. (laughs) Um, The point is, as we've sort of hinted, the book is like this wild, rambling, like capital R romantic, like kind of the whole thing is a digression, Mm. like to – summarize the plot is like an impossibility to say that it has a main character is sort of an impossibility. Like it's Mm -hmm. one of those ones where it's like every kind of like volume is named after a different character, like just to give you a sense of like how diffuse it is. And I think you sort of see traces of that in the structure of the musical still as well, especially when you get to like, when it's the 1830s and we're in Paris and suddenly it's like, hey, these revolutionaries and you're like, where's Valjean? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, And then
0: you're like, I guess that actor did need a break. (laughs) <laughs> um, And, you know, all of these characters who, like, I think, especially in this movie, sort of only managed to achieve, like, this weird tangential presence, like, Eponine, who's yes. the other corner of the love triangle, who you're like, why are you here, though? Um, yeah. Which is to say that I think it has, it is a kind of staple of adaptations of this story to make the like Valjean Javert obsession the through line that kind of Mm -hmm. gives it something like a Aristotelian or naturalistic like structure so that it's not just like romantic chaos. Right. But it is interesting that that is the choice that everyone has made. Like I think it's such a sprawling story. There's so many different ways that you could choose to organize it and people are just really fixated on that being like the thing.
1: Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. There is sort of like a point. That's why there's that quality when you're watching the movie, which is so mad for so many reasons, but there's that quality where like, when you get into those more diffuse parts and you're like, Eponine, who the hell are you? <laughs> Thenardiers? who the fuck are you? Like, what
0: is happening? Who are any of these people? We're and- going to spend 25 minutes with characters, like having a revolution and we know three people's names. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of that stuff. There
1: is something weirdly, not reassuring, but like, ah, here we go again. About every time Russell Crowe, like, every time Javert sort of po- pops back into the plot, like some sort of, like, mad gopher where he's just like, it's me again. Like, when he's
0: got his, like, do 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 Like, he's got his, yeah, like, he has theme his little theme. song that comes up and you're like, the police are here. Also, everyone always
1: knows his name, which is how you know there's only ever one cop in France, is because it's literally 30 years after he's been, like nope, won't do it for Eponine when she's like, mercy. And he's like, nah, it's literally however many years later, a million years later in Paris when you're meeting all of the kids now grown and all of their stuff, cassette now grown and all of that. It's, it feels like as, especially, I don't know if the, I forget if the stage musical does this differently than the film, but the way that it just sort of, as soon as you cut to Paris, um, it's like in one of the first actual scenes in Paris, there he is again, yeah, and then they're like, everybody oh shit, is like coming oh shit,
0: Javert, yeah, and you're like, really, still, this yeah, it's one cop, especially in the movie. it's like we don't know he's gonna be there. no, and then they're like, Javert's coming, and you're like, what? And you're like, here again, different place, he's the same,
1: still a cop. What's happening? yeah, yeah, it's, it's the interesting. Only one.
0: Something they add for the movie that is, like, a scene where rather than just, again, turning up in the town where Valjean is mayor with no explanation, he, like, gets – we he, like, arrives and, like, kind of introduces himself to – Yeah, he does.
1: Is that added for the movie? Yeah. Oh, that scene sort of in the factory where he shows up and he's like, it's me. I'm happy. I'm pleased to meet you. I've heard good things about you. Let's concentrate on catching criminals together. There's like a moment there. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He's like, we're going to crush them. And then there's that one where he's like, I think we've, have we met? And (laughs) Valjean's like, yours is not a face. I would forget. One of the few added lines that actually bothers to rhyme Yeah, that's true, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yours is not a face I would forget. Also, like Mm. hello. Yeah, is it a
0: compliment? Is it an insult?
1: We'll never know. But
0: yeah,
1: oh, that's interesting to know that that's added because, like I said, I don't know the book of the or like the the libretto of the original show well enough to know what's new and what's not new. Yeah,
0: I mean, again, yeah, I think it's interesting. There's very little that's added, really. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. a couple like random scenes and things, but yeah, again, it's like interesting that that's one of the things that they wanted to establish was like another moment of the two of them kind of making contact Mm -hmm. and sort of, I mean, because Valjean recognizes Javert immediately, yeah, this instance, and as happens repeatedly, Javert only recognized Valjean once he... Um, undertakes an act of impossible strength, which is his like secret super ha- superpower is that he's oh, super, funny. super strong. And so he keeps like being like, oh, what a nice, oh my God, look at him, lift up that heavy thing, it's him.
1: Yeah, literally, and literally, I mean, I don't remember the actual line, but that's the one where he's like, wow, you're so strong. You remind me of another strong guy I <laughs> met years ago that I think about every day. It's like, what?
0: Yeah, yeah. He's pretty gay, dude. It really is. It's just the instantaneous, like, it's, it's, it's Valjean. Like, the, the, flip, the switch flips and he's like, fuck. Yeah. And it's funny because then, again, they change a little line. This is, like, so... I hate, I hate when people just, like, continually make comparisons between source material and a movie adaptation. But in this case, it's interesting because it contributes to the point because right. after he... When he, like, rolls up in Paris... Valjean is being, like, the victim of an attempted crime and then, like, oh, right. kind of slips away while while Javert is, like, yelling at the criminals. And then um, Javert's like, why did that guy run? And in the original, he's like, that's weird. Could it be – the line is, like, could it be he's some old jailbird that the tide now washes in? And the movie changes it to, like, it must be that old jailbird. Like, it's like he instantly yeah. knows in the movie – He's like, there's only one and I know who it is.
1: That's the thing. There's all this whole the whole weird symmetry of the fact that like they're the only two people ever <laughs> who just sort of like move through the world through time and just orbit one another like strange planets. It's just very, very weird.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. I mean, and like it it shows itself you know, it's a musical, it shows itself musically. They sort of, like, both have this, they sing the same song, I mean, or, like, kind of snippet of a song. Valjean and his sort of, like, prologue revelation of, like, oh, my gosh, this priest was nice to me and now I'm going to be a good person. And then Javert, like, returns to that theme for his, like, suicide song. Oh, Um, yes, he does. I'm playing it in my mind. mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And so, again, it's, like, they're sort of, it's, they're, like, on the same path, mm. but one person, but, like, it's, like, the, and, they cu- and they reach the same junction, but, yeah. like, Valjean reaches it at the beginning and goes one way, and Javert reaches it at the end and goes a different way.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Oh yeah, that's really interesting when you think about it in terms of that melody recycling because that melody from the very beginning is the moment of like, I either do this or I whatever. I mean, the line is even, I'm reaching, I'm reaching but I fall. Mm-hmm. And it's that thing of like, to either sort of like arise out of the moment or to sort of succumb to the moment of like your worldview is changing and you can either stay the person that you are or become a different person. And Javert is literally incapable of evolving into another kind of person. Mm-hmm. And then literally falls into a waterfall, into yeah. like, a,
0: like a like a crazy dam. Yeah, almost. it's bad. And they like he like hits. The, it's so bad. It's so
1: bad. If yes, it's wild. It's truly wild. It undermines so much of what our friend Russell Crowe friend of the pod uh repeat offender russell Crowe um he's like a, perhaps trying to do in that moment is because he falls forward like i'm sure for folks who have seen this you know how funny it is he tips forward and entirely rigid like a dummy probably because it's a dummy and <laughs> it hits it hits the the like stone rim of whatever kind of crazy churning water is below with this like ridiculous comical thump
0: it's and so and like sort it's of bou-
1: bounces <laughs> into this like <laughs> frothing water and is like sucked below. It's
0: so bad. It's very I mean, it's, intense. And I think what's interesting is like there's a lot of ways of imagining. Like there's a there's a movie from there's a movie with Liam Neeson mm. from oh, gosh like the 1998 I want to say. Claire Danes, a very young Claire Danes is Cosette when she's older. Mm. Um, and that one ends with Javert's suicide, which Valjean watches and then oh. is sort of like nice and leaves. And that's the end of the movie. And it's Whoa. sort of like good. The like villain is dead. The cycle is broken. Like that, we're, we're all good now. Very different. Um, Interesting. And, and then they're in the miniseries that recently came out on the BBC and I think like Masterpiece or something. Yes. Um, where it's much more like, it's much more like David Oyelowo's Javert is like so obsessed and Valjean like doesn't really know he exists. <laughs> See, that's the thing
1: is it's it's not quite that in the Tom Hooper movie, but the I feel like something that is charming about the kind of gay that it is, is that like the level of the lack of irony in russell crowe's performance (laughs) you know what i mean like the complete the single mindedness the seriousness of like i'm not sure you know what film you're in like there's something about it that is funny to me even even while it like is not out of character in the sort of single in the sort of blinkered pursuit of the one and only thing you know there's something funny about it as a piece of acting.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't think that Russell Crowe plays smart very well. I don't want to comment on him as a person. No, no. But it really works for this. Like it's like, you yes. don't want someone who's going to add another layer of self-awareness to whatever Javert is doing.
1: Cause I don't think he can, I, I don't know if I've ever, I, I don't, can he have self-awareness? No. Like, he sort of can't.
0: Right? As soon as like- he gets some, he dies.
1: Right, exactly. And that's what's in the, you know, the text, if you will. So yeah, I don't know. And there's just something so like weirdly, it feels instinctual and sort of bloodhoundy. his pursuit of kind of like, there's something weirdly, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm leading myself towards making the point that if he had self-awareness, he couldn't be as obsessed with Valjean as he is because he isn't obsessed with him for a rational reason,
0: Yeah, I I think that's exactly it. He's obsessed with him because he is a symbol of something that in Javert's worldview is an impossibility, which is the idea that someone can be wrongly imprisoned and that a criminal can, in fact, be a good person or worse, become a good person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because what's that, that, that line
1: that is, that is like the refrain of the confrontation or whatever of men like you can never change? Yeah. Also, you know, it was funny. I was listening to it right before we started recording in preparation. And uh, I don't think I had ever noticed. It's in the, toward the end of the song, I think, where he's like, he's leading up to his sort of like weird reveal about the fact that he would like also grew up poor or whatever. And is like in the same sort of like social climate as Valjean or whatever. I don't know. It's like leading up to that moment. He says men like you can never change. And doesn't he also say men like me can never change? Yeah. That's really interesting to me because I don't think I had heard that before. And I was like- Okay, so what are we saying here then? Yeah. Like, what is that? Are you the same kind of man that can never change? Or are you a different kind of man that can never change?
0: What? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, but it's like, it's, yeah, it's his worldview is like people are who they are. He is a good person mm-hmm. because okay. he has chosen to be a good person. I think is what it means. Mm-hmm. It's like, you will always be a bad person. I will always be a good person. You broke the law. I follow the law. Right. I am the right. law and the law is not mocked, <laughs> if you will. If you will.
1: I'm sorry. Uh, because you didn't sing that, I didn't quite process it. So if
0: you could- <laughs> To <sorry>. be fair, <laughs> that is one that always gets kind of like sing, sing spoken. Sing
1: spoken. Of which there is a lot in this movie, to be fair. There is a yes. lot of, I mean, oh man, it's very, it's very funny. There are a lot of, basically I feel like part of what I'm saying is that there are a lot of moments of unintentional comedy because of things like- the drunkenly Zooming cin- cinematography. And also, and I mean, I'm. this is not a podcast about how films are made because we don't know very much about how films are made. But I feel like this is one where we can be free to sort of editorialize about how insane some of those choices
0: are because it's just like, oh man it's funny Uh, it's just so wrong it's like on every level it is like a tonal and stylistic mismatch for everything that is going on at all times at all times and it's also just like okay
1: you're a director like I'm not a film director but i'm i am a director and also a thinking human and the thing of like (laughs) and the thing is like this is a really important moment with an actor having a big feeling i feel like the camera should be three inches from their face and also they should be lit from behind so all we can see is shadow and also they're walking backward inexplicably (laughs) in a hallway it's just like why have you done this tom
0: and if they are well lit
1: they're sweaty Yeah, very sweaty. Very sweaty. And everyone in France is sweaty and also covered with
0: boils. Only the poor have boils. The handsome leads do not have boils. That's true. It would be a very different film if Amanda Seyfried had boils. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as I said at the time, I'm just really impressed that Fantine is living on the streets but can still shave her legs.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Some things are really important in uh, the middle of, like, the hellish life that she's leading. After, you know, like... The idea that your priorities would include shaving your legs even after you've sold your molars it's is impressive. Really, it's just really I dire.
0: Mean, that leg hair could have kept her warm and then she wouldn't have gotten consumption and died. That's a bold take that I have not heard <laughs> anywhere else.
1: <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Originality.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So to try to try in vain to um, direct this conversation in any respect or perhaps to, like, embrace the spirit of, like, Victor Hugo-style digression. Mm. Like, what, what do we make of, you know, because we talked a couple weeks ago, or at least I, like, ranted a couple weeks ago about how, like, I don't hate the kind of gay villain trope
1: necessarily.
0: Mm. And I'm curious what we think of the sort of, like, gay oh, obsession to this.
1: Yeah. trope.
0: Like, what do we, because obviously, like, that is what valjean and javert is it's like is that spark of illogic at the heart of this fixation yes and like that's where like the kind of gay serial killer trope comes from as well which i don't like so much yeah
1: yeah i love i love that you're bringing it back to that because that's the thing is like when we talked about that i think we were talking about um
0: uh, we were talking, we talking about the about road about to El Dorado. It was not, that's it was what not I a thought. super relevant digression, but it did happen. It
1: did happen. I was like, I thought it was part of that conversation, but then my mind was like, was. but how? <laughs> um, well, the thing about that, though, is that we also thought about doing Talented Mr. Ripley and then didn't. And yeah. it's interesting because the point you just made is sort of everything. I, I super agree with you that the the gay villain, this sort of gay villain obsession trope doesn't bother me either. And I think it's like in a lot of different-
0: like Kiss- like. Purple Ursula's curious. fun. Like that's just,
1: Ursula they're the most fun. fun
0: ones. And so the fact that like they're gay and fun, like is, yeah. <laughs> I'm not
1: mad. No. And also to recap what you said when we talked about it, which was basically that that oftentimes in is more amounts to more authentic queer representation than than non-queer storytellers basically like supplanting protagonists that were written to be straight with queer people and thinking that that's enough, you know what I mean? And it's sort Mm -hmm. of like the perspective of a societal outsider is usually some kind of better representation. And I feel like, I guess, in this case, I totally buy it. I feel like it comes back to that lack of self-awareness of just like, if you're going to follow this man around France for like 20 years Mm -hmm. or whatever the hell. And every time you see him, you're either like showing up asking for there's always some sort of weird negotiation involving forgiveness or punishment. That's like what happens. Chains a lot.
0: I was really aware of every time they used the word chain. (laughs) Listen,
1: the real the real take, the take buried inside this, the take inside the take is that Javert is a punishment slut. That's all that's happening.
0: I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he is a Catholic. Uh, So. There it is. I'm so sorry. That's the (laughs) worst thing I've ever said on this podcast or in my life. I think that like the question though is like what the other kind of theme that we revisit is like, it's not that every boy's school story is gay. It's not that every like story about girls doing sports is gay, though in that case, maybe it is. Um, (laughs) What is it? Is it just that we're taking this story about obsession that kind of like, in a borderline homophobic tropey way, people like to be like, oh, they're so obsessed with each other. They must be gay. And kind of saying, yep, that one's always gay. Or is there something more in this version of that story? Mm. Okay. Maybe is the question.
1: That's a really good question. Okay, so let me just reframe that for myself to make sure that I understand. So your question is, is that level of obsession, that this kind of story, always gay, or is there something extra gay about Loomis?
0: Yeah, I think that okay. is what I'm saying. Because, okay. yeah, I think a lot of the time, you know, we're both, we're, I think we, we we try to walk this line, right, between being yeah. like, sometimes these tropes are just kind of gay, But, like, I think, you know, with something like Newsies, it's, like, what we're trying to argue way back at the beginning of the podcast is, like, Mm. no, the fact that they're friends who are, like, constantly, like, you know, touching each other and, like, looking longingly at each other is not in itself. It's not just a joke about male besties who are physically affectionate or gay. It's, like, structurally within this story, yes, there's something else happening. And I think that, like, we've talked about this a little bit already, which is the idea that, like, they share this parallel journey, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the realization that, like – Valjean has not been obsessed with him for 20 years the way that Javert has been obsessed with Valjean like destroys Javert but yeah like I guess that's what I'm getting at is like yes are we just sort of conceding like yeah this sort of stupid joke trope that like they're just so obsessed it must be love Mm. it's real um okay let's start to unpack that my
1: first impulse is basically just that the thing that sort of levels this one up into a specific place where I feel like it is reasonable to mm-hmm. where it goes beyond a little bit is that I feel like the tenor of the obsession is that if your, if your self-conception, I feel like that's the thing is if your conception of your own identity is entirely dependent on your relationship to your, de- your definition alongside Another this other person and their refuting of that definition destroys your life. That's
0: gay. That's really good. That's really, really good. Okay, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank no, you. but yeah, I mean I think that is because yeah, it's it's a it's a it is like a symbolic worldview thing of like Javert cannot function if kind of the law and crime and evil don't mean the things that he thought they meant. Yes. But it's also like why is it this guy? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's that somehow, I think that's it. It's that if the, the, if the Javert that he thinks he is can only exist in the world if Valjean is the Valjean that he thinks Valjean is, then that is gay. Like to predicate your entire, st- the structure of your own identity all-, all along in relationship to what somebody else is to you.
0: It's like a really weird version of the do be paradox.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like the, it's a, it's, it's almost a sort of do kill paradox. It's a yeah. sort of like, I mean, honestly, that's, like I that's, need
0: that's, you to exist, but I also need to destroy you.
1: Yeah. And also, it's that, I mean, you know, it's that thing of like sort of the, um, it's that forever thing in storytelling about how sort of sexuality is like next to if you can't if you can't fuck someone maybe you try to destroy them in some certain kinds of stories you know <laughs> yeah what I mean? yeah so yeah, yeah. like if I can't like The opposite
0: of love isn't hate. It's indifference. (laughs)
1: Right. Um, So yeah, that thing of like, it's an equally passionate response because he's not self-aware enough to know what kind of passionate response is actually happening perhaps. And so instead it's like, I must eradicate this complicated man who's like producing anarchic feelings inside of me in my worldview.
0: I think that's actually a great point. And I feel like that taps into sort of something that we talked about a little bit with like we've talked about a couple of times recently Mm -hmm. with the outsiders, the idea that like when there's a character who is completely incapable of articulating their feelings, Mm. you sort of start to wonder, like, I can tell you're not telling the whole story even to yourself. Yes. And that's when you sort of start to be like, so what are the parts of yourself that you are so unwilling to or incapable of seeing actually? Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's like,
1: what, what are we? Well, and also, I mean, you know, you made the joke about, about the, Catholicism but also I think it's really appropriate because it's also like in the one of the two of them there's something about being obsessed with order Mm -hmm. there's something there's something about being obsessed with ordering the world Mm -hmm. that screams like sort of um like closeted and lack of you know in that very specific way of like I must order the universe in a in a fashion that can make sense to me I don't know. To me, that says something about not being able to order oneself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, I think, yeah, like, sort of on the narrative level, you're like, well, of course, a person in the 19th century who thinks that way is not going to be like, maybe I want to fuck this man. No. Exactly. But then, yeah, also, as you say, it's like, it's indicative of, yeah, some kind of, like, internal chaos that must be combated with external order.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think that that's, I think that that's right.
1: Mm. Um, Hmm. I almost ruined, see like in spite of ourselves. we just had a, we had a whole little run there of actual real thoughts. And I was just about to lean really close to the mic and go. (laughs) 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 It's just like, imagine that your mouth is full of cotton wool and then stare really seriously into the mirror and go. Stars. (laughs) (laughs) stars <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much the performance
0: that's the performance but again it's as him. as you've sort of said like the complete kind of blank yeah lack of interiority yes exactly because it's funny because it's like stars is, is a really weird song it's the only time we get him really alone on stage yeah it is not the end of the act though it feels like it should be
1: yeah it really does i'm always surprised by how early it comes
0: yeah Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weirdly placed kind of number. Yeah. And you leave it not really feeling like you know him better than you did at the, when the song began. And I don't think that that is Russell Crowe's performance entirely. Like, I think it is like this really weirdly purposefully opaque song where you're like, I don't think you've actually told me anything about yourself. I think you think you have. But you're yeah. wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's like, it's a vow of, it's just like a, it's a yeah. reaffir- it's a reaffirmation of everything we already know about him.
0: Right. It's just sort of like, I will pursue him. And you're like, dude, it's been 15 years. We know. You're like, we know, dude. Like, you keep
1: rocking up. Like, <laughs> we know. I'm looking at the lyrics now just because I was like, quick, better have them on hand.
0: Mm-hmm. Um.
1: I mean, yeah, like the entire, it's a, it's a song, it's a song that starts about Valjean. Yes. And it's just like, right, no, carry on, carry on while I stare at this.
0: No, no, and then, and then ends with him as well. It's like bookended and then there's like sort of, but it's just really interesting. I think something that the movie does that is really interesting is that it relocates almost all of the big kind of like soliloquy Mm -hmm. solo numbers, which is possible because none of them kind of function the way that musical theater songs should, where they are, like, really rooted in, like, the decision that a character has to make in the moment or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Like, in the show, I Dream to Dream comes right after Fountain's been fired and On My Own comes right in the middle of the barricade rather than, like, before it even begins. And Stars comes later also stars okay. comes in paris after he's already seen valjean again in paris and it's that really makes interesting. more sense. yeah i think it does i think the two women songs work well where they are i think javert's makes less sense where it yeah. is but it is interesting to like have a structure of a musical where it's like the big emotive numbers are so much about revealing character that it actually doesn't totally matter where they happen
1: yeah that except is interesting
0: for javert's mm. which doesn't mm. Yeah. I don't quite know what, like, point I'm building to, except for, like, I just find that really interesting.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because as I'm looking at it, obviously, like, the, you know, the first verse has, God be my witness, I shall never yield till we come face to face. Like, that's the beginning of the thing. And then it just goes on and on and on. But it is basically, like, all we learn, which we already knew, but all he, you know, sort of elucidates is, like, his breaking of the, his worldview broken into these two opposing forces of like, there's good and there's bad, there's heaven, and there's hell. There's, there's order and re- there's chaos. He's over here, I'm over here, and we are cosmically pitted against each other. That whole thing of like, I'm the light, you're the dark. It's just like, the whole song is just a casting of him and Valjean as opposing forces.
0: Yeah, which we know by that point. Right.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so
0: there's something in, again, I mean, it comes back again to this like lack of self-awareness and to have a character yes. who is given three minutes to reveal himself to the audience and doesn't have anything to say.
1: God, that's so interesting. And you know, as I'm looking at it, this thing of his, his worldview, including he's obsessed with punishment. This thing about, this thing about, you know, you know, your place in the sky, you know, your course and your aim, all of that stuff. Um, and... Speaking about
0: the stars. Right, the titular exactly. stars. The
1: titular stars, if you will. But the thing of, um, you know, his worldview c- sort of concluding with so it is written on the doorway to paradise that those who falter and those who fall must pay the price. Like mm-hmm. later, later, even though when we get to the sort of critical moment of Valjean could kill him but doesn't and instead spares him and lets him go, like I feel like it's, it's Javert falls sort of victim to his own he damns himself by the end in a really confusing way, even though mm. Valjean doesn't. Like I feel like it's a weird sort of his the black and whiteness of his worldview even condemns himself in the end in a super bizarre way.: Yeah. I'm wrapping well, my because he has that
0: having... line. He has that in "sparing me my life today. This man has killed me, killed even, me even so.: so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a very weird, it's a very weird song, but it's also musically beautiful and, and one of the most um, sort of melodically regular of any of the songs. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of the most, I would say in a musical sense, sort of most traditionally structured. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's a very sticky, simple, like very beautiful, melodic structure and I don't know. I mean, I was gonna make a point about how it's very ordered, but then I heard myself say it mentally and was
0: like, of course it's very ordered. <laughs> it's Jaber. <laughs> yeah, but I mean it's still it's bears it bears saying. Mm. And it's I mean it's it's interesting because it can because it's so good as a song, it can be a complete showstopper. And yeah. I think when it is, I've seen like standing ovations in the middle of the act for this song you know Hmm. and so to be performed in a way so utterly lacking in charisma as it is in this movie like i think in a weird way lays bare that in fact nothing is happening here that's an incredible song about nothing
1: point yeah yeah god i mean not not attempting to be cruel to our friend russell but man i mean yeah you know so okay so let me ask you about that because you've seen the show roughly a thousand more times than I have mm-hmm. um this feels like a nice moment to pop in and say that my I had I this had been a source of not contention but uh but disbelief in our entire friendship I feel like that up until the point that I was what 22 I had never seen either the show or the there wasn't a movie either the show or the I had seen no versions of Les Mis. and um so when we did finally see the show that was the only time I've ever seen the show. So (laughs) my question about this is when you've seen that song, like Stop the Act and people really flip out, what is happening that makes that so? Like, what do you, like, what makes a successful performance of Stars feel successful? Like, if the tech, if like the text of it basically isn't, Telling us more about Javert than we already know. What can the actor tell us in that moment that we don't already know? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. How does it, how is it meant to be delivered in a way that tells us something new?
0: I think there, I have two answers to this question. One is a complete digression. Good. The less digression is, it is something that the, from like, within like 30 minutes, 30 minutes, like 30 seconds of beginning this movie, I was like, why does Tom Hooper not understand that we watch musicals in order to hear people who are great at singing, sing and sound great? And Stars is a great song and a great singer singing it sounds good and it's pleasant to listen to and he gets to show off. Right. And so it does that, I think. And it's kind of the first song, it's the only, it's the first solo really that Javert gets. Like it's his only kind of moment. It's his I yeah. Dreamed to Dream. Like yeah, what's happening when Anne Hathaway sings I Dreamed to Dream. I mean- a lot more emotions than stars contains but it's still like you're a good singer and you like or when susan boyle you know yes blew up the world singing i Dreamed a dream completely yeah. out of context you're just yeah. like it's, it's awesome a singer because yeah. you're great yeah i saw a production of les mis where it was really i think it was the broadway revival that we then saw together in yes. like 2014-15 Right, and it was early in the run and an understudy was on for Javert and it was very quickly apparent that this was one of his first times performing the role it was like previews I forget who was playing Javert but it was like someone who was Broadway famous so it was like kind of a big deal that he was out and you could tell that the guy playing Javert was quite nervous Mm -hmm. Um, and was sort of like good and like making it through was the sense that one got of his performance until he got to stars and then he just like you could just feel him, I mean, like, I, you know, projecting onto whatever sure. this like poor young man was experiencing, but you could just feel him kind of be like, I'm playing this role right now and this is my song and I'm going to sing it. And then you just like watched him kind of like step into, like, just like rise to the song and like literally mm. from that moment he was giving a different performance. That's amazing. Yeah. It was one of the most amazing like theater kind of arcs I've ever seen. Mm. And I think that, yeah, like that's the power of the song. If you're just like, this is a really good song. I'm going to sing it and sound awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is why it's so funny when it, when it basically feels like a monologue. It's interesting too, because I'm thinking about the way the movie presents it where, because obviously one of the, one of the hilarious things about the movie is that in putting a musical on film you have the opportunity to do what cinema does which is get so much bigger than the theater can get which is why it's so funny that tom hooper stays so small for so much of the movie right on people's faces but for stars he puts him up on like the sort of battlements of like some sort of building he's really really high he's physically very high up on a stone structure uh singing to the stars you know he's outside but like there's something, um, I don't know, I almost get the sense when you watch it in the movie that the grandeur of the setting matching the lyrics is something that the director is trying to do to make it feel like more of a moment mm-hmm. than more of a, like a sweeping sort of set piece moment. Mm-hmm. And that only heightens this feeling, I think, that we're describing of the fact that the song doesn't do anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In and, and of it- itself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's actually his sort of parallel standing on a high mo- high wedge moment before his suicide is the only yeah. song where he actually reveals something about himself. Yeah, which I
1: feel like we're making a really where I feel like we're making an interesting point. We're like weaseling our way into this thing of like, of course the. Only moment that he can say anything real about himself Is right before he kills himself Because that's his whole problem I guess Is mm-hmm. that he doesn't know anything about himself Until that moment And it's so painful he has to die
0: Yeah I mean because yeah One of the lyrics I was just like sort of running through the lyrics in my head You know one of the lyrics he says Is it's either Valjean or Javert Yeah But it's like But actually it has to be both Like it, mm-hmm. it You know what I mean Like it's only either because He's rejected you
1: Yes Like it yeah. was
0: that sort of tension was sustaining you for quite a long time. It's only now that you're kind of forced to like confront what both of those things are. Yeah. That's
1: brilliant. I was trying to, I was trying to think back to the lyrics of like, I,
0: I don't, I feel like it's in that
1: moment leading up to the suicide where after Valjean is like, um, what is he, What does Valjean sing to him? The, the, thing that, the thing that leads up to um, There's Nothing That I Blame You For, like, you've done your duty, nothing more. The mm-hmm. moment where he sort of, like, dismisses him forever and is like, no, go. Like, flee into the night, I don't care. Yeah. And then the fact that like, there's a back and forth in that moment where Javert is like, okay, but if you let me go, I'm
0: still gonna find you. Like, make no mistake. There's a back and forth there. I know the moment you're talking about. Okay. It's when he has – so Javert has come to the barricade as a spy. And oh, he right. instantly gets discovered. And the rebels kind of tie him up and are like, we're going to kill you, but not right now. And then Valjean shows up and, like, helps him out and is like, can I kill him? And they're like, go for it. And then <laughs> he takes him off and he's like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to let you go. And he's like – that's when he's like – um, uh, I also just remembered that what Andras
1: says is, do what you have to do. This man belongs to you, which is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking about that moment because like the whole, it just strikes me so funny. It's so the quintessential, like he doesn't matter as much. You don't matter as much to him as he does to you. The moment where Javert is like, okay, but even if you let me go, don't think that it'll change anything. Like I'll still come and find you.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically he's just like, go on and kill me. And he's like, no, I'm actually not going to kill you. I'm going to let you go. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, no, really. Here's where you can find me. Oh, yes. That's I'm right. I'm not <laughs> – here's where you can find me. I'm not mad. Yeah. Yeah. And then is that the moment or is it the one later toward
1: the suicide where – where Javert is so uncomprehending of this, that he
0: starts that sequence that starts with, who is this man? What sort of devil is he? That's then when he, yeah. So then Valjean survives the barricade miraculously emerges. Javert's there waiting for him. And Valjean's like, I have to save, like you can have me, but I have to save this boy's life first. Like I have to take him home. And Javert's like, no, in the movie, more so the musical. And then he's like, if you take another step, you'll die. And then (laughs) Valjean gives him this look. that's just like, mate and then no, just keeps looking. Like, so good
1: it's so good <laughs>
0: and then it's the like yeah who is this man yeah yeah it's, it's yeah it's the moment of I mean and that's a good reminder that like the sort of fulcrum for him is the moment of mercy the yes. idea that Valjean has the opportunity to do the thing that Javert would like to do and doesn't yeah. do it
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because he's made his whole life about it. That's that I'm damned if I yield at the end of the chase moment of like, of I, like I, he's built his entire world around that. And also it feels like, that's the thing that's funny to me is that it feels like mercy is not possible in his world Mm -hmm. at, at all. Not just coming in the direction that it comes from Valjean to him, but in any direction, that's that thing of just like the, the, the severity of the worldview because that's even early, early on, this is the same in the musical, right? I'm as the film early, early on when he comes in and apologizes to Valjean for having that's just in the movie him.
0: That's yeah, the so, other added scene. Yeah.
1: Oh, right. So that's an odd moment early in the movie before we're in Paris when Valjean is still the mayor of a small town and Javert shows up because he's the only cop in France. And, um, after he's been like, we'll work together and catch criminals, there's this odd double back scene where he comes back in and apologizes to Valjean. Because he'd
0: seen him again
1: perform a feat of great strength right. and been like, holy shit, it's him. Holy shit, it's that strong guy I'm obsessed with. And so instead, he, he shows up like one evening at the like factory that Valjean runs or whatever and is like, apologizes to him and is like, you know, I'm so sorry, I thought you were this convict and I reported you, but they just caught they just caught him. And so it isn't you. And I guess I was wrong. And he like presents himself for punishment. It's yeah, very he- weird, but not for forgiveness. It's very weird. Yeah. He's like, fire me.
0: And Valjean's yeah. yeah. like, no.
1: And Valjean's like, no. And then he leaves and has like a separate crisis about the fact that obviously they've caught the wrong man and he's like honor bound to go free him, which he does because he's like a sainted man. hmm which, like, how hard would it be to just let the other guy
0: die, Valjean? But, um, <laughs> he can't do that.
1: I know he sings he a whole made a-
0: song about it. He made a promise to that old bishop guy. I know, yeah, man. But yeah, man.
1: still, there's so many moments where you're just like, Valjean. Really, like that's the thing. He's one of those characters where you're just like, I love this man, but really, like at your age, you're gonna wade into the sewer and carry a like absolutely shit-sodden Eddie Redmayne out of the sewer. <laughs> like this is what we have to do right now. Like I know your daughter loves him, but damn.
0: It's but no. Just, well, I mean, I blame Tom Hooper for that moment. What well, they don't have to be covered in shit. There's What's parts saying? of the sewer that are like ankle deep that they could have been in <laughs> instead. <laughs>
1: I mean, why not make the grossest choice is sort of the, <laughs>
0: the, is and just... that's why we have cats. <laughs> why not make the grossest choice? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah, no, but I mean, I think that's exactly it. It's like, it is the, I mean, that's why it is like, frankly, I think not so much in its musical form necessarily, or we're so familiar with the musical that it's like not very potent, but like mm. the contrast of the story is law and mercy. Yeah. It's the idea that the law is unjust and the law is unmerciful mm. and mm. other and sort of justice and mercy have to come from other places, kind of from other people and from God and from anything but police, basically.
1: Right. Right, right, right. Which, of course, I guess is why Javert is the way that he is, is that he is, as a character, the embodiment of everything that is, you know, rigid and inflexible. And He is light. the law,
0: and the you know, law is not mocked. He is the law, and the law is not mocked, as he himself would say. But, and does but yeah, say.
1: and does say. You still haven't sung it, and... <laughs> I'm going to make you before this is done. <laughs>
0: the, that one, it's not a very good tune. Just, no, I no, the no, that's law true. And the law is not like every version. Yeah, yeah, he just it's, yells it. It's, it's Philip Quast shouting in my mind. Oh. Like. Uh,
1: well, yeah. But then the contrast in the film then, I suppose, is not quite that. Mm. You know? I don't know. Like Law and Mercy. I, it feels like, or maybe it is, but it feels more, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking about the fact that, the boiling down of the concepts into these two specific people rather than the more diffuse kind of broader canvas that we get to see the concepts play out on a larger scale makes it more personal and less, less large, I suppose. More like, okay, well, it's either Valjean or Javert. <laughs> like,
0: I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. And I think that's, again, where the sort of, like, gayness comes from. Because it yeah. is, like, it feels really arbitrary, in this funny way, yeah. like they don't, yeah, you're exactly right. They don't feel like symbols of greater concepts. It feels like this guy who just got really fixated on this other guy.
1: Yes. And if you just left
0: him alone, you'd both be happier.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's that maybe we don't get enough of the rest of the story that you get in the novel to feel like they, to understand the systems that they're representative of. So instead it's just these two men and it's just a man that follows this other man across France obsessively for many years. And then when he's, like, essentially rejected by him, he kills himself.
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And I think it's, yeah, because it's like we're sort of divorced on the whole from, like, Javert being a cop, like he doesn't really mm-hmm. do any policing except, like, of Valjean, except of <laughs> Valjean, and then, like, you know, tries to fuck some nice young students um yeah. by being a spy. But yeah, it's like he, yeah, they both just feel so divorced from like a bigger con, a bigger context or a bigger commentary. And right. Um, I think that that is like. Yeah, it, that kind of b- boiling it down onto the personal level rather yes. than the symbolic level. That made me want to make a really
1: pretentious point about film framing,
0: about the fact that I sorry I'm sorry, remember- we, don't, we don't make pretentious points on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: what was that digression you made a few episodes ago about that obscure French novel about girls' schools?
0: Yeah, you can you can continue, please. <laughs> Thank you. Uh- <laughs> friend, written Friends. by a friend of Victor Hugo's, actually. Anyway. There you go. Um. <laughs> um,
1: no, no. Well, just in the sense that the sense of the world that they belong to mm-hmm. falling away because it's just a story about these inten- these like intense individuals rather than the broader social canvas. This is also a movie that when you have the opportunity to – like, wide shot, sprawling sort of visions of cities and landscapes, what the director chooses instead to do is focus on the collarbone up. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's a thing that happens as a, like, whether or not it was advisable or he was, like, on crack at the time, like, <laughs> it was an artistic choice that was made by a human man that then became this movie. And, and the fact that, like, it it focuses on the individual to the point of extremity, of, like, it focuses on the individual face, voice, body, feeling, and that's all. And, like, even the relationships to a, I don't know, it feels like a really pared down social universe. I remember when we first went to see it, when we went to see the movie, granted, as a small disclaimer, I had, a, I physically had a fever at the time. So, <laughs> and <laughs> Haley was like, let's go see Les Mis, and I was like, I have a temperature, and you were like, let's go see Les <laughs> 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 So, so we did, but, um, so really, the whole thing was a fever dream, and remains so to this day, but um, I remember thinking,
0: like, when are we going to see France? Mm-hmm.
1: And the answer is sort of
0: never. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And I think that that's like, you sort of almost understand what he thinks he's doing in terms of like, these are the people who are emblematic of the country. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so kind of ruthlessly individualized that that doesn't feel like what's happening.
1: Yeah, and um, to be fair, there are moments where that works and the moments where that works are the like, five Oscar winning minutes of Anne Hathaway. Mm
0: Yeah, I think she gives an amazing performance. I do too. And that's also, as we discussed as we, when we were watching it, that sequence is sort of one of the only moments where the sort of swoopy fever dream feel of the cinematography actually mm-hmm. feels like it is functioning impressionistically and like we're yes. seeing through Fontaine's eyes, through this like yeah. horrible montage of her descent. Through her experience, into- yeah, totally. But yeah, and that's why it becomes so jarring. And I think this is like sort of a problem of the musical inherently, which is like you begin with this, you know – man v man Valjean and Javert story and then like it's like oh by the way a revolution um right exactly but it feels even more weird and jarring in this because you sort of don't have an ensemble in the way that Mm -hmm. you do on stage you don't have the sort of constant awareness of the presence of the rest of the world you just have Eddie Redmayne's nostrils you and and boy do we have them but yeah I mean it is uh
1: maybe that's what we've been building to unbeknownst to ourselves this whole time is that like forgive me for the pun but the 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 sort of vicious refusal to pan out (laughs) uh you know is sort of like that's what makes it a personal story which is what makes it gay because without the rest of society you can't know what they're supposed to represent and if they're just individuals it's gay (laughs) It's gay, yeah I think I think it's gay, I think it's gay, also honorable mention gayness, I was going to say, if we should do any separate little moments, honorable mention
0: gayness, all of the revolutionary schoolboys who are clearly in love with each other, yeah, I mean well, this I was about to say, what time are we at because I could digress, oh my God, well, I think
1: that you should digress we okay,
0: are we're we at one o four you are free to digress well, so what's really interesting because yes and. Should you, should anyone choose to trowel through the fan fiction of the internet, you will find that that is not a that is not a uh, hot take, um, no. if you will. No, I imagine it's not. <laughs> um, but what's really interesting is that like one of the relationships that is most sort of like floating near explicitly queer in the novel and in certain versions of the story is between two of the students where it's explicitly rooted in what they stand for symbolically and sort of doesn't, cannot kind of be depicted in any way that makes sense if you aren't also sort of like filming and telling the story in a way where you're able to kind of like embrace the extent to which like Andras, this student leader, is the embodiment of like the spirit of revolution and France. And like, it's really weird in the movie because like we said it's so individual it's so personal it's so small and like the barricade fighting section is like kind of one of the only moments where we pan out ever yes and they try to retain sort of one of the iconic images from the stage musical which is when all of the students are killed it's sort of like traditional that like Andras like climbs to the top of the barricade and gets shot and oh my god I'm sorry that I exist. There's two stagings. There's the (laughs) traditional original staging, which involves a turntable. And in that staging, there's the kind of like slow, sad music after everyone has died. And the turntable turns around to kind of as the music swells, we reveal Andras who's like fallen over like the opposite side of the barricade and is kind of sprawled across it in his traditional bright red coat, usually on top of a tricolor like French flag. And like he's spotlit and you sort of just see him kind of like draped, crumpled across the back of the barricade. And in the version with no turntable, the two halves of the barricade split. You see this sort of like cart of like rubbish get pushed out with like some debris in it. And then he is draped again and usually the red coat, usually with a flag, kind of in this cart. And they kind of try and like mirror that by having him yeah. and like the other remaining student, who's the one he's gay with in the novel, um, <laughs> get shot and he falls backwards out a window and mm-hmm. like kind of gets his foot caught so that he's sort of draped out the window. Yeah such a weirdly symbolic and stylistic shot in a movie that has not been stylized at all yeah
1: yeah he is also he's on the flag isn't he He yeah because he holds
0: it he holds it in his
1: hand he holds it up in his hand in a sort of defiant gesture right before they shoot him and then when he falls he falls on top of it
0: it's one of the only shots that really just feels like a direct quotation of the staged musical yeah and i get why because it's like a great i mean it like breaks my heart every time on stage but it's so out of place and jarring in this like visual yeah, universe yeah but anyway yeah. which is all to say it's interesting that yeah like kind of other relationships in the movie gained their kind of queer frisson if you will from the, the kind of alchemical interaction of two symbols yeah. but for Valjean and Javert it's kind of the opposite yeah yeah,
1: that's fascinating. Thanks for working Friesan in.
0: You're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> late, we, we... late in the day,
1: but you know I need it.
0: <laughs> yeah, we haven't managed it in the past couple episodes, so. Well,
1: it's because it wasn't quite, there's nothing that can approach Friesan in The Outsiders because they're kids. Yeah. Or really, like if they're out, no, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We're back, we're back on form. Yeah, on form. I, think, I think that's really interesting I think that's really interesting. And again, I mean, you know, we don't get to know them very well, but the sort of heartbeat of the revolution, the revolutionary kind of cadre, all of those students, almost needless to say, it's an entirely male environment. Mm -hmm. And so even within this film, which is posited, it's interesting because the like, the tiers of character importance in this story are like, as the way the movie seems to position them, it's Valjean and Javert at the top, the most important thing. Underneath that, a very boring heterosexual love triangle. And underneath that, a bunch of boys who are like united by a common cause and like whose only social universe is each other who are
0: all clearly in love. <laughs> yeah, I will say in the book, there are two of them who are all but explicitly described as being in a threesome with a woman. There you go, <laughs> like there you just go. A little polycule happening. Just a little
1: casual menage.
0: Yeah, but, in the corner.
1: Um, But yeah, but it's interesting because that's sort of a gay sandwich structurally because like there are some (laughs) girls, but like, you know, they're just sort of in a relationship to Marius in the middle and he's being sandwiched by gayness, both sort of above and below (laughs) structurally.
0: (laughs) Yes, There you go. (laughs) Terrible. I mean, though we will say as discussed, the line that Aljras says to Marius, who cares about your lonely soul, is something Uh, that you can only say to an ex. Ah, That
1: was so good when we were watching the movie. Yeah, we had a whole text conversation about whether or not Marius and Andras are exes.
0: He's just so upset. He's like, where have you been? You're late. Like, why are you fucking around with girls? Like, it's just so like...
1: Yeah, his lack of patience for Marius' bullshit is really one of my favorite, favorite things. Also then-
0: <laughs> One of the best performances in the movie, just in like the oh. faces that Aaron Tveit makes of just like, what are you saying?
1: It is so funny. Also, it makes, that makes Red and the Black funnier because then it's just sort of like a dialogue between exes about- what is supposed to matter versus what matters to him now. Which is, yeah. 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 It's – listen, it's gay. It's just gay in every direction.
0: It's just all gay. It is. I think that we have succeeded in my goal of convincing ourselves <laughs> that we're right. <laughs> Which is, frankly, our, our, our
1: perpetual goal.
0: No, but I feel like in this case, we started out from a place of slightly greater irony than usual.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yes, we did. We did. But I, I had no... Uh,
0: I hoped we would succeed. I, mm-hmm. I hoped we would arrive where we I, have arrived. I think we have. I think the conclusion is when you chase one man across France for 15 years and then he rejects you and you die of that... <laughs> You might be (laughs) it might be gay. You might be gay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's gay. Thank you so much for joining us in this, our tenth episode, and probably the most chaotic. (laughs) We so appreciate that you have stuck with us and listened all this time. We're Hoping to keep going. You can uh, check us out on iTunes or the podcast purveyor of your choice for our past episodes, including the many ones that we glancingly referenced <laughs> over the course of this conversation. And of course, if you subscribe, you can be updated immediately when new episodes appear. You can also find us on Instagram. Yes, you can at This Movie is Gay Podcast. And we'll see you soon. Goodbye, stars.